I have a commitment to myself before the Lord. And I think a lot of you would agree with this. Is there anybody in this room that just refuses to be fake? (laughs) Is there anybody that's just tired of fake? You know, a lot of my prayer is, Lord, help me do whatever it takes to not be fake. It is so easy for a Christian to become fake. It is so easy to go through the the motions of going to church, even adopting an expression of a body and being fake. I don't ever wanna be fake. Is there ever times you even look back you know, now that we've had social media for, for years now and things, do you ever look back at certain pictures and, if, and you just know that you were fake in that picture? Have you ever just looked back at a memory and just said, I was so fake? <laughs> you just look at it and you're like, you big hypocrite. I was just telling on myself, I just feel like sometimes I look back at pictures and I'm like, I was taking a picture with somebody and thought that it would be cool to get a picture with that person. Anybody been there before? Just vainly striving to feel some sort of worth. Do you know how torturous it is to just try to find value from this world? That's what I wanna speak into tonight when we go through the Sermon on the Mount. I just wanna give this preface that I really believe the Lord is going to heal wounds of rejection tonight. I believe some of the greatest wisdom comes from wounds that are submitted to the surgical process of the great physician. There's people that are dealing with offenses of not getting picked. There's people in this room that have dealt with their own family members putting a standard on their life that they've never felt like they could fulfill. And some of you don't realize it, but your whole life is, is based around finding somebody to affirm you. And some of you might not realize it, but it's obvious that you don't know who you are. And I can say that because there's days that I, I lose footing of who I am and I have to run back to the cross. I have to cling to the cross and I, I want to I just make a plea to you tonight that my heart hurts for anybody that doesn't know who they are. My heart hurts. You know why? Because I, has anybody been at a place in life where they didn't know who they are? Yeah. Maybe you're there right now. But guess what? God brought you here tonight because he wants you to know who you are. Amen. But wounds of rejection... 
And what does this all amount to? It's a, there's a verse in Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says this. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Why would I use that scripture? Because really, the reason so many people don't know who they are is because they fear what people think about them. So bad. It's so torturous. Is there anybody that can relate to what I'm talking about? That you, that has anybody been in a place where all they could think about was, what are they thinking? What do they think of me? And, and then you just go down this torturous trail, trying to find some value, some worth. It, it is the worst place you could be is wondering who am I? What, what is this? And the problem that we face is that when you fear what men think about you, or even worse, if you esteem what men think of you. You know, I had this, uh, and I'm just kind of, I want to flow with this because we're going to read all of this. But I had this thought today as I was going through this, and I, I thought about what, what an unimaginable tragedy it would be to breathe your last breath and stand before the Lord Almighty and the greatest reward you will receive from this life is how many people liked your social media post. What if you breathe your last breath and the greatest reward you receive from this life is a celebrity or somebody of notoriety affirming you? What if you breathe your last breath and you stand before the Lord Almighty and your greatest reward from this life was the fleeting, hollow praise of man? There are people that are gonna stand before God and their greatest reward is going to be that and we're going to read in Matthew 6 why that's true. Some people desire the praise of man so much that God will let that be their reward. What a sobering reality. Would anybody say that just knowing that would make you want to take heart inventory before you stand before people? Before you walk into a room? That you make sure you know where your identity is is anchored because I believe it's time we awaken to the gospel, the greatest love story ever told, so we stop auditioning as orphans and take our roles as sons and daughters of God. There are too many people that are trying to find worth and value through what other people think. And I would go as far to say the more gifted you are in the natural, the more susceptible you are to having no clue who you are because you rely completely on your gift and not on the grace of God. In fact, people that are, more, that are very gifted 
can be easily deceived. Lucifer was very gifted. He was extremely gifted. I want to read this quote to you that I read the other day. It says, you ask me, what's the greatest act of faith? Isn't that a good question? What's the greatest act of faith? To me, it's to look in the mirror of God's word and see all my faults, all my sin, all my shortcomings, and to believe that God loves me exactly as he says he does. <laughs> it's Paul Washer. The greatest act of faith is to look in God's word and come to terms with who you are and how you, you can't add up to perfection or who he is. And God says, I love you. Will you receive the gift of my son? A lot of us don't think that's a great act of faith because it becomes just a, a doormat to salvation to people. That great acts of faith are people getting out of wheelchairs. 100%, that's amazing. I want to see that. I wanna, I've seen people get healed of stage four cancer. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've, I've been there, and that's so precious, and I, I love that. I believe we're going to see it even more, but I believe we'll see it more when we don't take glory in giftings, but we glory in his name, and everything is an overflow of identity that he's our father. And that's why we are singing his name is Jesus. All glory to him. There are so many orphans in the body of Christ, people trying to find their worth, their value. If somebody could just hear me sing, if somebody could just hear me prophesy. And maybe it's not even church. Maybe it's people just in their workplace wanting to show their boss that they're they're really the next man up or the, 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 the perfect person for their job. Somebody in their family trying to live up to something. There's At any point, if you don't know who you are, you're going to fall victim to an altar that will never satisfy. It, it'll destroy you. It'll eat you alive. I, can, I, I know this, and, I, and I'm still learning it trying to figure out who you are. God, and so what we need here is Matthew 6, there's gonna, we're gonna go through 18 verses and we will do it, you don't have to laugh. <laughs> the reason I'm setting such a, a, a precedent here. I, I, I want to help us see that in Matthew 6, Jesus addresses three spiritual disciplines, 1 through 18. Those three disciplines are giving. Everyone say giving. giving. Prayer. Everyone say prayer. prayer. And fasting. Everyone say fasting. We would all agree that those three spiritual disciplines are vital and very important. And Jesus in no way speaks against them or does away with them, but he does speak with the motive in which we do them, and he speaks about who you're doing them unto. 
And I could get up here tonight and I could take the sword of the word of God and I could just begin to say, you're so, we're so evil for doing things for man's praise. We're so selfish for wanting. And Jesus actually does allude to that and it's a, a reality, but I believe condemning the symptoms does not cure the disease. That if all we do is yell at the symptoms, it does not bring a cure to the sickness. The sickness is why do we so desire affirmation from the world? from others, from people liking social media posts, from what, why is this becoming more and more? It's because deep down, you have to identify when your heart begins to be moved by those things to say, there's a deficiency of the revelation of the love of God in my life. Did you hear me? All insecurities reveal a deficiency of a revelation of God's love. All insecurities reveal a deficiency in the revelation of the love of God. Purely, plainly, point blank. An insecurity in your life is screaming at you. I need to know that God loves me. And if you don't recognize that, you will feed your insecurities with the vain praise of man. You will wait for somebody to clap for you. You will wait for somebody to say, you're really gifted. You're really talented. I'm, and I'm not trying to act in any way. I actually don't like when stuff like that is said to me, but I've learned to just give glory to God and thank people for their gracious words. But I do not like when my heart is moved in a certain way. And I'm not in any way trying to say that like, act like a worm or I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but I am trying to say you have to be watchful of what your heart likes. Because if you're not, and there, there was something that I, there's a few, sometimes I just write things down. I, I might not be able to say it, so I, I, I want to make sure I. The devil wants us fixated on everything around us to distract us from investing attention to what's going on inside of us. So I'm going to say that again. The devil wants us fixated on everything around us to distract us from investing in attention to what's going on inside of us. Um, you can only ignore an inward struggle for so long before it becomes an outward massacre. And if you don't deal with the fact that you have insecurities and you constantly need somebody to say, attaboy, or you need somebody to affirm your gift, you don't know who you are in Christ. I, I just want you to know that. But be assured tonight that you don't have to live that way. And that's not what God desires. That's not what he paid for. And I want to just read these. Let's just read through it and then we'll break these things down. We're going to read right through it. 
Matthew 6, 1 through 18, it says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Remember, what did we say earlier? There's some people that they think they're doing things and they're going to be rewarded, but actually the reward that they're going to receive is the one that they are expecting, which is to get people to say, I actually, I forgot, I wanted to bring an air horn tonight and I wanted to put something in the offering and blow the air horn. <laughs> Everybody see me? Because uh, that, that's what's happening here. Jesus is saying the Pharisees, before they give an offering, everybody look how charitable I am. And all of us can kind of laugh and mock that because that just seems ridiculous. But what do people do with social media? Just because you press send and nobody can see your face in real time responding, we have to, we have to watch how our hearts are gauged. Do you know that you're loved by God or are you just looking forever? Because this is where people get offended. They just don't know how gifted I am. They don't know, what, what are you talking about? You're breathing mercy and grace. Where did you ever get an opinion of yourself like that? Remember, this is what happened in the garden. What did the devil say? Did you know you could be just like God? The devil is constantly whispering these thoughts to get you to think it's not enough. There's an insatiable desire. And verse two, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet. <laughs> before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. This is, this is big stuff. Did you know like when you do, like for instance, if, and I, I wanna make sure you hear my heart, like there are, there are things that you have to, navigate with your relationship with God. If you, say you come to church and on your way here, you minister to a homeless person. If when you get to church, you have to tell every person that you minister to a homeless person, there's something wrong with your identity. If something great happens in your life, Testify what the Lord did, that's beautiful. But if you have to tell everybody just so they can see that God's working in your life. Do you see when I say it like that, it reveals how childish we are. The Bible says be childlike, not childish. And then it says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. How many people want God's reward, not man's reward? Amen. I don't know about you, but this makes me wanna do so much more in secret. This makes me want to live my whole life. And when we get to heaven, 
everybody could be like, wow, you did all that and didn't say anything? He saw me. He saw me. And we're living in a day and age where people so desperately desire to be seen, they don't realize that the greatest one sees them. There's so many people that want to be known, and the greatest one says, I know you. I know you. I knew you before you were born. You're trying to find identity from all the things and people I created. You are my dream. And if you would realize who you are, you would begin to flourish. Because being a witness is when you know who you are in Christ. That no longer are my motives to be seen, but my motive is that he would be seen. And that when people look at me, they would want to know who I'm looking at. Because they would want to know what causes somebody to live that way. You know what causes me to live this way is I know he sees me. So if you don't tap, if you don't clap for me, if you don't say job well done, I'm living for one. I'm living to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And what a reward. Abraham, when he went to sacrifice Isaac, there was nobody watching. There was nobody watching him say, Abraham, way to go, patriarch. Way to go, way to believe God. It was just him, God, and Isaac. Your greatest moments in this life will be between just you and him. And if you think your greatest, if your greatest moment in life is going to be on a stage where everybody is looking, that will be your reward. How, sh how horrible will that be for certain people to think that they were on top of the world in this life only to realize that they were just at the ceiling of hell? To stand before an almighty God and realize that my reward was people clapped for me. People thought I was special. People wanted to be like me. There's only one that is worth everything and the glory. And he's given each one of you gifts. And the only way that gift's going to truly be used the right way is if it's anchored in love, not searching for love. A gift that's searching for love is going to end up going to be identity suicide if you, don't, if you don't know who you are in Christ. And it continues to go on because verse 4, it says, once again, just let that ring out, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Tonight, I, I, I entitled, tonight by the Spirit, I your father sees you. Your father knows you. What a precious reality to live by. 
Verse five, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Can I just make a statement? If you pray longer in public than you do private, There are so many people that think prayer is boring. They, they just don't say it out loud. Prayer is not exciting. Who said prayer is for you? It's called conversation. It's called dialogue. It's talking to the one that loves you the most the one that knows you the most. I don't know why we're not talking more to the one that knows everything. <laughs> Sometimes if you just put it simple, it makes us realize how stupid sin makes us. That's why we have to repent and see so we're not blinded for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Do you see that again? People, there's gonna be people that prayed their whole life only to be seen as religious. We haven't got to Matthew 7 yet, but this is all going to culminate to many of you will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. People that even did miracles, worked in powerful ministry. That's why people that are really gifted, you got to watch. You stay so humble. Get so low and make sure he is being seen in all that you do. Verse six, but you when you pray, Jesus is speaking to you right now, the master, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's a good verse. When you really just let that hit you, I think that that verse says so much to us. You see, prayer, prayer is not a place for costumes and masks. Prayer is where we undress our souls before the Lord. We become so vulnerable, so real. When you pray, go into your room. I, I, I like to just give a quick thought to this. Did you know when my wife and I go on a date, I sometimes fall victim to the only way it's a date is if we do something extravagant. Is there any men that feel that way? Like if we're gonna do it, we're gonna go all out. And sometimes it's good to do that. 
totally. But if I constantly think that that's the only way to go on a date, I will miss moments to be intentional. And what I mean by that is a date is not how extravagant it is. It's about my intentionality. So when Jesus tells us when you pray, go into your room, he's trying to say that when you pray, you don't have to wait for a huge prayer meeting. You don't have to wait for something, but in fact, all you have to do is be intentional. You don't have to think it has to be this extravagant thing. He's extravagant. <laughs> Go into your room and pray. But it says, what else does it say? Shut the door. That's very important as well because what is this, what is this telling us? Exclusivity. That it's not just being intentional, but it's, as everybody agreed, like simple things like turn your phone off or throw it across the room. Leave it outside the room. I read my Bible on my phone. Get a Bible. Like, it's important that you have time. I, I, I often, the Lord corrected me with this while that busyness is the prideful attempt to put off what's really going on in your heart. Busyness is the prideful attempt to put off what's really going on in your heart. I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. That, I don't know if that's going to fly when you stand before God. I was busy. And I don't share that to bring condemnation. I share that to awaken us to love. Awaken us to the story of the gospel. But you see the intentionality, the exclusivity, but it says, pray to your father. This is the, it's so amazing that all through Matthew six, Jesus keeps talking about the father, the father, the father. You have to understand that the Jews at this time had no thought process of calling the almighty God father. It wasn't, they did not think of it that way. They wouldn't even say his name. It was so sacred. They would, the way that they would confess, his name was so sacred that Jesus is saying, he's calling him father. He, he's, he's showing them that, and that this is why people are looking for all this affirmation, all this to secure their identity and Jesus is trying to tell them, do you, do you not know whose you are? Do you not know your DNA? Being a child of God, the reason we can love our enemies is because we don't need any enemy or any person to reciprocate love to us because we have a fountain and a reservoir of love from our Father that the reason people can even mistreat us is because we've been treated like royalty by our Father. We, we're not looking. We're so grounded. This is why, what did Paul pray in Ephesians 3? I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you may know what is the width, the height, the depth, the length, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding 
that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7 at the end? We're going to get to it. If he who hears my sayings, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. And when the storms come, it didn't knock that house over because it was what? It was built, it was rooted and grounded in the word of God, in the love of God upon Christ, our solid foundation. How many people are thankful that you know Christ? I, I think we, we sometimes we allow things to just get us a little just caught up in life and we don't realize that we're losing our footing. We're losing our sense of, of who we are in him because all wisdom and discernment flow from, what does it say? Acknowledge me, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Well, if you're acknowledging the world, if you're acknowledging the praise of man, if you're acknowledging what are people thinking of me, you're going to be disturbed in all your ways. You're gonna be detoured, you're gonna be all over the place. But it says, verse seven, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You know, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna bring something up here that, is, is there anybody, and I, I didn't think about this till I just read this, and I, I just wanna be sensitive to it. Is there anybody, and I actually want us to be vulnerable right now. Is there anybody that when you have sinned in a particular area multiple times, did you ever feel like you were praying the same prayer of repentance every time you sinned to the point where it became vain? Do you know why that is? It's because I really believe it's because that we can just get into such a habitual, principle-based thing that if I just say this again, if I just do this again, then it'll be better. And the Lord is just waiting for you to break open an alabaster jar and say, I can't do it. I keep messing up in this and I need your wisdom and grace to overcome this. I need to surround myself with people that know your love, that know, because, and there are people that you are trying to fight a war to get God's approval when he has already given you all the equipment and he's ready to walk you through whatever battle you have and he is fighting them for you. But these vain prayers that we pray, like soon as you feel like you are praying something and it's no longer touching your heart, you gotta, you have to ask God, I don't know what it is, but something is causing me. Something has caused me to lose my footing in the pools of your love. I feel dry. I feel like I'm just saying words. And I do, I understand that it's not about how we feel, but I, I don't have to feel my wife physically to know I'm married. I know that I'm married, I know that covenant, I know what that is, but if I all of a sudden, if my wife was not with me, literally, and I would know this, something bad has happened, there's been an offense that's caused a separation. It's a feeling, you know, when there's an offense, when there's something broken, and God wants us to be so established in love, 
And in verse seven, it says, when you pray, once again, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Stop trying to pray perfect prayers and pray real ones. Just be real with God. Remember the one, I think, what's the one story? Uh, remember that there's the one Pharisee that's praying that I am better than these others and I, I fast every day, you know, I fast the first Monday and Thursday of every week like this Pharisee's just like saying I do it and then this sinner comes up and beats his chest and says, I am a sinner and I need the mercy of God. And Jesus says that that man, he's the one that actually prayed. He's the one that actually connected because he was real. He, he brought something of value that it wasn't him just covering it up with words or an appearance. And then in verse eight, it says, therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him in this manner. Therefore pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. So how should we start prayer out? Acknowledging him and our relational aspect with him. Also understanding who's, who's saying our father real quick. J Jesus is saying our father. Jesus is adjoining, he's asking us to come into union as he's representing us before the Father, saying, let's pray together. He's our Father. How precious. How does that change our prayer life? You know, I, I gave this example a long time ago when I, I, as a parent, I never thought, you know, I'm a guy, okay? So I have a, I have a little girl. I'm sure any fathers that have a little girl, have had a little girl, and they, they understand. I never thought I would enjoy having a pretend tea party until my little girl asked me. Do you know how we move the heart of God? That when we ask him, that there's things that he's, he is sovereign, he will have what he desires, but he still desires this partnership. He still desires that we would come to him and ask. And, but when it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So what is a huge part of prayer? Worship. Holy is your name. There was a wise minister, I, I believe it was A.A. Allen. I can't remember who it was. But somebody said, if I have 10 minutes to pray, I'll worship for nine. And the concept is, is ministering to him making him so big and so real that the more we feel like we have to, to, to use a bunch of requests and words, it actually is, it's showing us that the more we magnify and realize who he is, the greater and more depth our request will have because we're asking them in light of who he is, not in light of our situation. So when we worship and make him big, it gives us the proper framework to ask. You see that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Everyone say, forgive us our debts. Because it's really important. It says, as we forgive our debt 
debtors. So Jesus is really hitting this because, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And it was beautiful. We were singing that tonight, right? Our Father. But watch how Jesus culminates teaching on prayer right there. And I, I don't want to stay too long on this one point, but isn't it funny how Jesus says, right before he shares the Our Father framework, right before he says that, he says, don't, don't say vain repetitions. And isn't it so funny how there's so many believers that, and I, I, I wanna be watchful in that, but I was victim of that, that I had, was, as a, I was born and raised Catholic in a sense that we just always said the Our Father. And it was, we were vainly repeating and Jesus actually says right before the Our Father, don't just vainly repeat prayers, <laughs> right? So Jesus isn't giving us necessary, I'm not saying it's not good to recite the Our Father, please don't hear, I believe it's scripture, it's beautiful, but Jesus is giving us framework for the heart of prayer, the, the, how we approach prayer, how we find what's most important in prayer. And what he says at the end of this prayer is he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Now this is a hard passage to swallow because a lot, I've had so many people argue over this over the years of me being born again. I have people that, because that, we're saved by grace through faith. It says in Ephesians 2.8, but right here it is, it's saying, Jesus saying if, if, you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And in light of the Sermon on the Mount, what is really Jesus communicating here is he's, he's, he's telling us that actually one of the biggest things that should be happening in our heart through prayer is the revelation of forgiveness should be maturing us in such a way that if we're not reciprocating what is happening in prayer. It just reveals that we aren't children of God. And I know that that's, you're like, this is a harsh, this is something we really have to understand that Jesus gave us parables and taught about the unforgiving servant. He, he, in Matthew 18, like he's sharing how important it is that if you are a child of God, that forgiveness must flow and ooze out of you. And soon as you are having a hard time to forgive, once again, identify that and say, Lord, you've called me to forgive. You've graced me to forgive. You, you've anointed me to forgive. And Lord, I, I need to be taught. I need to be wooed and, and guided by your grace and by the spirit to learn to forgive more. Am I the only one that still needs to learn more how to forgive? I I have not graduated. The Lord is still continuing to help. But you just have to stay vulnerable and real and say, Lord, I I want this. I I desire. But I think it's so important we realize that forgiveness is so important because once again, the reason we're looking for affirmation from people and so forth is because it goes to show that we're easily offended. We're, we're easily moved by what people think, which means that you're going to deal with unforgiveness because when people don't give you what you, you deem is necessary, I, I, here's a, a quote that it's important that 
when you covet the attention of others, it just reveals that God doesn't have your attention. When you covet the attention of others, you, you desire to be seen so much, it just shows that you, you, you really don't allow, you, you, you don't realize that you're not even giving God your attention because you're looking for it in the wrong place. Finally, verse 16, it says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. So remember, remember this when we're fasting next time, family. That if you're walking around like, oh man, carrying my cross, <laughs> we will say, you have your reward. When you're fasting, even though you may feel weak physically, you want to beam because you're doing it for an audience of one. You're doing it for him because you long for him to return and you, you ache for him to return. And it says, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. What does it say? It's saying, make in fact, when you're fasting, make sure you put your best smile on. Not a fake one. You just think about how he saved you. You think about how awesome he is. How, what, what is to come? The beauty of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself, oh, I forgot I'm fasting. Because I got caught up in how beautiful he is. And how he fully satisfies. Verse 18. So that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Over and over again. We see. I want to make sure I hit this point one more time. Because I, I, I actually don't believe we have to go much longer. Because I, I want to. I really believe. If this didn't hit somebody tonight, then, I, I, then I, I'll admit, I, I, I'm not hearing from God. I'll be convinced that if this did not minister to somebody here tonight, that I'm, that I, I'm off, completely off. This grieves and aches my heart. As I was reading Matthew 6, all I could do is just think. I remember moments in my life when I was desiring somebody to affirm me. I was desiring for somebody to say, you're gifted, you have it. And why? Why did I feel that way? Once again, I don't wanna condemn the symptoms. The reason I felt that way is because deep down, every one of us desire to be known. Deep down, every one of us desire to know that we're loved. Deep down, everyone in this room desires to know that they are worth something, that they are valuable. And what, what, what's so precious about this is that the scriptures tell us, can I, can we, I wanna read uh, 1 John 4, 17 through 19 says, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Did you see the context, though? The reason that love has been perfected among us is so, because when we, in fact, when we do street witnessing and we evangelize, whenever you ask a question, do you know, do you know where you're going when you die? Like, or do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Like, do you, when you ask a question like that, when people say, I hope so, or I think so, I'm just like, in my head, I'm just like, man, I don't know why you would want to live just thinking or just whimsically hoping because this is saying that love has been perfected among us so that when we have to stand before an almighty God, we don't have to wonder where we stand. Maybe, maybe you've been born again and you haven't thought about that for a moment. Because of what Christ did, we're gonna stand before an almighty God and he is going to love us. This, have you read Revelation? There's like creatures, lion heads, eagle heads. Like there's a whole bunch of weird stuff going on around his throne. And this giant being says, I love you. Could you imagine not being on the right side of that being? This is why you have to love Jesus so much. Jesus did not just affirm that you're a nice little American. Jesus went to the cross because you needed a savior. You needed a representative before an almighty God that your whole life was an offense. It was a sinful offense. And Jesus, and then when you read Ephesians 1, which I want, I want to read this, and worship team, you can come. Ephesians 1. Starting in verse three, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Can we just, keep, right now, can you just say, God, thank you for choosing me. And there's some people like, well, hey, well, wait a minute, what about, you know, predestination, I, I don't, just, don't even worry about, all, just say thank you for choosing me. Sometimes we complicate things instead of just remaining thankful. When we get to heaven, there is not going to be one theologian that was 100% accurate. We are, we are learning and that's why it's so important you remain humble and repentant. It says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure. Everyone say good pleasure. Good pleasure. It's God's good pleasure. Good news. He likes you. That's amazing. This is so 
this will heal your heart. You won't have to find other people to say, you're amazing. You're so gifted. You're so talented. No. He is so amazing. And I live for others to see how good he is and that they don't have to live with an orphan spirit or insecure on who they are. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That verse, it says he's made us accepted in the beloved. God took us and he put us in Jesus and the way that he loves Jesus, those affections that flow to Jesus, he says, I want them to experience those affections. How could you ever long for somebody else to affirm you when all of eternity is just beaming love and affection? In Romans 5, 5, it says the Holy Spirit has been put in your hearts to pour out the love of God. It says in Galatians 4, 7 that your spirit is crying out, Abba, Father. Did you know that your spirit knows how to pray so good? That's why you have to be still. And that's why praying in the Holy Spirit is so important. Building yourself up on your most holy faith in Jude. 123. We have to get a revelation of how valued and loved we are. And I, I just really, I just want to encourage everyone tonight that if you are in this place and you're trying to attain, obtain value, worth, or purpose, stop it. If you're trying to attain value, worth, purpose, stop it. Stop trying to purchase something that has already been paid for. Stop trying to get something from men and people in this world that God has lavished you with. When we read Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, the purpose of tonight is that we would realize our Father sees us. And stop being fake. Stop trying to be something, stop trying to build something for people to see. As we said before, I just really want that to land. You don't want at the end of, the end of life, the end of the age, to stand before an almighty God and the reward you receive is the shallow, fleeting, hollow praise of man. Let us be a, a people that when we give, we give to him. When we pray, we pray to him. When we fast, we fast unto him. Everything unto him, and that's why Jesus came. And when he washes the disciples' feet, what does he say? He says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. He says, then the world will know that you are my disciples. What is he saying? He's telling all of us 
that when you know who you are and you know how loved you are, it's easy for you to love others and show them unconditional love without them having to return something back. He wants us to love that way. And I'm telling you, I know people in this room that this has been hitting hard tonight and you could, you could sit in your seat or you could leave real quickly because you gotta go or you could say, you know what? I have been living before an audience of more than one. I've been, I have longed and coveted people to affirm my gifting, to affirm how special I am. And I have to stop it because it's affecting and poisoning every decision I make. It's causing me to not be rooted. If, if that's you, we don't have to play any games. Just come to the altar right now. And I, I'm telling you, God wants to heal the wounds of rejection. 